This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for coming back to the podcast. We have many things to discuss. A cool topic Tuesday, a great car debate. You guys have buried us in questions today. Pretty awesome. There's a lot to talk about. We are currently driving the Toyota Sequoia TRD Pro. Very orange. It is very orange. <laughs> now, I went to the launch back in May of 2022. Todd, you were not with me. You were buried under digital footage. You I was at that editing time, like yes. crazy. Absolutely, yeah. So I went to Toyota's headquarters in Plano, Texas. They have a, a big event for yep. all the products, and there's usually one that is new and launched, and it just happened to be Sequoia. So I did do a test drive of that. It's on our test drive channel, mm-hmm. and I did explain their new storage system back there. It's a shelf. It's a three-tiered shelf. Uh-huh. Now, the reason that Toyota did this was because the third row actually slides fore and aft dramatically, seven or eight inches. It's, okay. it's a lot. It's enough to put real human beings like you and I, Todd, it's, back there. It's usable as a now, third when row. You, yeah. When you put those seats all the way back, of course, your storage space diminishes, so there's a, a plank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, I don't know how else to describe it other You're than right. a plank. You're right. That fits into low, medium, and high storage shelves, Uh so you can go up with your storage, Uh and it's actually very clever. Now, at the lowest setting, it sits in a tray, and it does make those rear seats, those mechanisms, stand proud of the floor, which means it's not a flat floor. But if you put it up to notch one, Mm -hmm. then truly it is when those seats are folded, but it's even more elevated. We had a question uh, from Mike Anderson, 25, who wishes there were a flat load floor when the seats are folded. You can do that with that plank. He says the space they gave for the hybrid system pretty much makes those useless as a three-row SUV. I have to disagree because Mm -hmm. they made a a conscious choice as to how to manage people. Mm -hmm. And it's typical. Yeah, you want the third row to fold flat and then you have a flat load floor, but those third rows can't give you adult size seating. And that's what Toyota opted for. So it does make it really useful for people. It's just now for what are you putting this back This is the there? trade-off. That, that's, Absolutely. That's the compromise. That is the big trade-off. That's the thing that I noticed. I've been driving it around a lot because this is also the TRD Pro, which means all the extra things plus Circus Peanut Orange plus the more aggressive suspension because it's the TRD Pro. So that yes. means that the road, the on-road ride is not as good as it could be, but you got the TRD Pro. You kind of got to expect that. True. The, True. There definitely was a decision made here, and they decided to go towards people and not mm-hmm. towards gear. Now, mm-hmm. you're right. There are ways to work around it, but that's that's the big thing that I that really took away from it is Toyota honestly has struggled with this. With the Land Cruiser and with the Sequoia, mm. they have struggled with three usable rows. Upon which the Sequoia is based, that Land Cruiser platform. So, so yeah, the and, and the Land Cruiser traditionally was, I'm going to go ahead and say it because there are Land Cruiser lovers out there and they're going to send me nasty notes and it's fine. The Land Cruiser is a terrible three-row SUV. It always has been. And they've done really weird solves with like seats that fold to the side or you can take them all the way out or whatever in an effort to do one or the other because they've got all that big 4x4 four four running gear. The only reason is sales. Yes, because people don't want to buy just a big five seat. Yeah. It's got to have seven seats. Yeah. So Toyota's in that place where they have to do that. They've solved it this way with these big back seats, genuinely big back seats that are electronic. You can hit the button and they fold either way. And they, they can't. You can actually put humans back there. 
Yeah. Which a lot of third rows can't. Yeah, it's but nice. But then you sacrificed cargo space. You put those seats up and you look at, I don't care which way you put the shelf system. You put those seats up, you can put your laptop back there or a nice carry-on <laughs> bag. I mean, that's all the space <laughs> in it. This is not a thing where you take three rows worth of people and the family stuff anywhere. That's suburban land. Right. This is not Sequoia land. But from a world where people are going to buy these, they're going to throw stuff in the roof rack, and you're going to go out for your buddies for the day, that's the target they've got here where you can actually put people in the back or you get your whole family going somewhere. But it is not a big road trip vehicle. It isn't. With people, and maybe you put some of the bags at your feet You make a decision. It's people or gear. That's really where they're at as far as three rows are concerned. I prefer the, to call this the plank system so you can make mm. pirate jokes the entire time you're driving around with your friends. Perfect. That's what the world needs. In my big peanut orange thing, I'm making pirate jokes. Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to briefly discuss a very weird news item that happened over the weekend. I, I don't even know how many sources I read this from just since we were last. It feels like we were weeks away from the last podcast based on how many times this has been discussed. And that is <clears throat> what happened in Wyoming over the weekend. Okay. <laughs> There was a motion put forward for the Wyoming legislature, and and this got picked up nationwide, worldwide even, that they were going to stop the sale of EVs in Wyoming by 2035. Now, we put this in perspective. The rest of the world is talking about we're only going to sell EVs by 2035. So Wyoming, home of the cowboy, they have it on their license plates. And it's also, interestingly enough, the smallest U.S. state by population. Okay, lots of oil and gas in Wyoming and not a lot of people. They made a resolution that they were going to push to have Wyoming not sell any EVs by 2035. And the interesting side note on the end of this resolution that they put forth that got tons of international press was that they were going to send a copy of it to the president and to the governor of California. Now, there is no reason for a resolution in the state of Wyoming to be sent to the governor of California. This is a shot across the bow that as of when we're recording this has already been officially killed, but they created so much conversation over the weekend that we're all talking about it. It started out as a resolution. And if it had passed, it would just be that it wouldn't have become law. It's not my understanding. It would have been a law. It's it would pressuring just be more of a, dealers to not sell electric a, cars a in Wyoming. High suggestion. <laughs> May we suggest now? Wyoming has a small population, but they produce a lot of oil. It's my understanding, they're the eighth state for oil production. There's a lot of oil going on in Wyoming. Lots of so, wind generation, lots of energy generation in general happens. For sure, in Wyoming, for yeah. sure. And that was part of the the debate in the Wyoming state legislature. So I think it's interesting and I'm actually glad that it happened because it only for the reason that it points out what you and I have been talking about. Anytime there's a stake in the ground for some sort of legislation about EVs that mm-hmm. says by here we're doing this. Yeah. Whatever that says, we're Having half of them or having all of them, everybody's phasing them out throughout your car sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. by an EV, whatever that says, here's the opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum Yes, that says, no, we don't want because of, and there were some valid reasons in here because of just infrastructure alone. I mean, there's just not a lot of no EV charging stations. Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. And also the fact that they produce gas. I get it. Yeah. Okay. I understand there's, there's reasons on both sides. And I like that ultimately the car industry is getting pushed forward. With new tech and new ideas, but then you try to put a stake in the ground and ultimately it's going to change. 
Well, that, that is the big thing that we've discussed a lot is this, this 2035 kind of international resolution. Lots of individual countries have said no more gas-burning vehicles by 2035. And that's why we keep saying electrified fleets are going to be key here. Versus an all EV parsing words now. Yes, for sure. But I but I do believe that this twenty thirty five thing is going to be walked back in various areas. I don't know how. I don't know to what extent. But it's a political play initially, and I think it's fascinating that we are actually seeing with the folks in Wyoming an actual reverse political play Mm -hmm. in an effort to start conversation and to essentially for them to kind of wave a flag and be like, this doesn't work for us. Now, it's already been killed in Wyoming. Yeah. It, it but the conversation the is out there already that not everybody's on board. And I think the mandate suggested by the 2035 thing is the thing I think is going to get pushed back. I feel like we, as the car lovers, have all gone, oh, 2035. Oh, my gosh. It's going to happen. We only have a limited time to enjoy. And here and there, there's so much push and pull yet to happen. And I think that is the only real takeaway I had from this Wyoming thing, which I thought was fascinating that it got picked up everywhere and ultimately just started a conversation and got killed this morning. In the meantime, never before have we had such a wonderful selection of manual transmission sports cars that are rear-wheel drive and actually look great, and they're fast and powerful and excellent to drive. Never before have we had such a selection of manual transmissions. You think the manual is dead? It is not. There's some great stuff out there. There's so many. Front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. Enthusiasts have spoken. I think car manufacturers have listened. And we have choice, people. We have a lot of choices. Think of manual transmissions. I can name you five or ten more cars of great cars, fun-to-drive cars, available for sale. Now, we can't control dealer markups. We wish we could. We wish they we're sold for MSRP, and I get they're expensive, but still, we've got choice. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Mark D. writes to us about a topic Tuesday regarding sporty cars that don't make sense. Okay. Mark writes, what are some sports cars that we, Todd and Paul, would never recommend? Hmm. Is there a car in the market where we would say, at that price, there's another car that does every single thing better? Here's a few that he doesn't think we've ever heard us recommend. I don't think he's listened to enough podcasts, by the way, because I listened to this list and I was like, Rick, a lot of them we have. Some of them we haven't. But anyway, Some of them we haven't. Yes. Topping the list is the Nissan GTR. Now, I can't remember if we've recommended that car, but I want to say we have. I know we have. Have it's, we? But, but here's the thing you're touching on here already, Mark. You're touching on the fact that these are not cars that come up very much. And that it doesn't mean be. it doesn't mean that they're not good cars, but the, everything you're about to list, we have probably talked about. I think every single one of them at some point, but they are rare to be discussed because of what you're already bringing up, and that is there is something better. But your list is interesting, right? And and I hear you about the recommend the recommended cars. There's always go to cars, yep, and they come up again and again because we like them and they're so good. Mm-hmm. The next one is the Mark IV Supra. Hmm. And we talked about it when we released that piece of that versus my Z versus the RX-7. We discussed and talked it, about actually it. I don't know that we've ever recommended that car because most of the people that would come to us and bring that car up already want to buy one. So it's True. not like we need to – we're not going to – let me walk you over here let me sway your decision. To, a, to an overpriced 90s car that's been hyped up and so now they're super valuable. They're interesting, but they're not worth the value. Anyway, onward. Volkswagen GTI. Now, I will take issue with that. We have recommended many times GTIs. We I feel like we yep. over-recommend it sometimes because people want GTIs and will say, yes, go get one. They're actually great to drive. Mm-hmm. 
what a value. Fully we, loaded, they're not, but we, still. We, and we often will say something else instead of that, but it doesn't mean we haven't recommended it. But keep going. Yeah. Audi TT. Now, we have recommended that, I know for a fact, on a couple of occasions, but you're right. It doesn't come off all that often because Porsche Caymans exist. That is the problem. We're going to circle back to this discussion for sure, yeah. Audi S5s, BMW M4s, the Jaguar XK series, specifically the XK8R. Uh, I, I don't know if we recommended I don't know if we recommended that, that particular one. one. Yeah, Maybe yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. Dodge Viper GTS. Hmm. I know Maybe. we've had Viper discussions. I don't know that that's been recommended. recommended. I take that point. Aston Martin, we've talked about the Aston Martin. We've I know recommended I've many Vantages. Definitely said avoid the DB9 because there's not nearly the space that that car yeah. should have. But the, the Vantage, I love and I've recommended a lot. Chrysler Crossfire, Mercedes SLKs exist. Well, yeah, but there it it's is. A styling it, it's, choice. It's a value. It, there's a value proposition there for sure. Chevy Cobalt SS. Okay. We discussed that car again. I don't know if we recommended it. Neon SRT4. This has been a beloved car by the the enthusiasts who mm-hmm. have discovered it and are on SRT4 team. <laughs> they have the they have team the shirt. Neon. Yes. Then we, we have heard about that, and we have not driven one. I, I, at least, I, I don't know if you've driven one, Todd. I have not experienced I, one. It's, it's been forever since I was in a Neon, but I don't think it was as the SRT4. And the BMW 8 Series, older new, I mean, that one's sort of like, yeah, awesome to have the 850i with a manual V12 from we've, 25 years ago. We've joked about how cheap they are. Sweet. I don't know that we've recommended you run out and get one, but we've <laughs> joked about it. But but the question that he's raising, that Mark's raising, is he said he, he wants us to kind of talk about the sporty cars that don't make sense. And I want to speak to this real quickly, Mark, and we've talked about it before. This is, how do I put this? You could discuss it as a blind spot, but I'm going to discuss it as a shadow. The problem is that the really good cars in a lot of segments of the market cast a really big shadow. The Porsche Cayman is going to be the first one I'll put out there. Interesting. The Cayman is superb. If you'd like to spend, I don't know, 50 to 70 grand, and you say, I want a dedicated two-seat sports car, it'd be really cool if it was manual. It'd be really cool if it was Mm -hmm, mm mid-engined. The Cayman is the first thing that answers that call. It's yeah. the first one. Yeah. Now, it also can compete with, well, I thought about an M2, or I thought about a Supra, or I thought about, list the other car that you can think of in that area. Well, maybe a Nissan Z, or maybe a Lotus Elise. The problem is the Cayman is so good and so available at all different prices. You can go buy a used one for twenty grand, and you can buy a new one for 140 Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And we want them. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> it's so good that if you're an Audi TT... That's the problem because the Audi TT isn't in the same category of capability or prestige or dynamics as the Porsche Cayman. Now, it is solid in its own right. It's a more interesting version of the Volkswagen GTI running gear. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. cool styling. It comes in lots of variants, including the RS and all kinds of crazy fun ones that we see here in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. But as you said, the Cayman exists and casts a really big shadow. So what happens in some cases is we end up recommending these oddballs. And I'm going to go very personal in a second. We end up recommending these oddballs because the person starts to suggest not the obvious. And you and I are an example here. The Cayman is the obvious choice of what I described. Mm -hmm. And I own a Lotus Elise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would not. and, And I've done this on the podcast. I would not recommend the Lotus Elise to a lot of people. Because for most people, it's not the right car. For me, it is 150% the right car. And every time I back it down my drive, I'm like, I'm so glad I own this. It's really cool. But 
There's a lot of people that the car they're looking for, as great as the Lotus Elise is to drive, and as much as I love mine, you really ought to get a Cayman. We don't want to recommend cars that are the opposite of what's good simply for the sake of recommending something different. I mean, we genuinely want to help the person, whoever's email mm-hmm. we are reading, we genuinely mm-hmm. want to get them yeah. into something they're going to love to drive. And that just has now only come by virtue of experience and driving a lot of cars. What if we were to suggest any of these on your list, Mark, just for the sake of polarity, just to like throw we something in about there. this car before. Yeah. Hey, why don't you go buy that when I know in my heart that I don't want you to go get that car. The TT has influenced, when it came out in 98, it influenced every student in my graduating class, mm-hmm. me included, mm-hmm. as far as what styling was possible and just the approach to sports cars and sedans, surfacing. I was absolutely influenced by that car. I had never driven it at that point, mm-hmm. and that's the difference. The TT sells because of styling. Yeah. If you like the dynamics, great, get it. Like I keep telling you, if, it, if the car drives great to you, buy that car. If it makes you happy, buy it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. If, you, if you're never taking an Audi TT down a back road, you're never taking an Audi TT to your, to your local track, you're a person that likes to commute and you like the way that it looks and you've had a Volkswagen product before. I mean, that why there's all kinds of reason to get a TT. You can get one for cheaper than a Cayman. Get it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is if somebody's writing to us with, I'm looking for whatever and I want the very best in this area, that's the problem. The, the best cars remain the best cars. They mm-hmm. throw shadows over other cars that are good. Mm-hmm. But if you're really shopping in that segment, get the best one. I guess this is why I'm known for blowing the budget up and blowing people's <laughs> budgets because I actually want you to spend more to get the one that I know you're going to actually love. Mm-hmm. We're talking here and I think, oh, if you only just spent five grand more, could you do 10 grand more? Sure, Because sure. then that experience, <laughs> yes, it costs more money. On the other hand, oh my gosh, now you own a Cayman. Now you own a something, you know, whatever we recommend. And we've both done it, but I also definitely want to respect... People, money is an object. That's why we're not talking Mm -hmm. about Ferraris and Lamborghinis all the time. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean that they're better because you spent more. True, true, That's the balance we always have to decide upon. If I ask you to spend more and I recommend it and tongue in cheek and I get Mm -hmm. a lot of ribbing about it, all right, but did you get a better car? Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Just because you spent more money or I theoretically spent more of your money <laughs> and asked you to go buy some slightly used two-year-old Ferrari something. Well, jeez, that's $400,000. It's, I don't even know if I'll ever, you know, yeah, yeah. buy a house that costs that. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> did you get a better car? Is it that much more of a driving experience? Well, now you're owned by the Ferrari and it sits in your garage and you don't want to drive it because it's too valuable and then you don't want to get rock chip and you don't want to. Sure. So what is the right balance in there? Well, and the other thing that happens here, and I want to come to the Nissan GTR in a second. The other thing that happens here is we, and I could potentially argue to a fault, we're excited about you having a driving experience that's fun. Absolutely. When you're behind the wheel, you're enjoying interacting with the car. Now, we are guys that like to interact with the car. That's why we like, I mean, I drive a Lotus Elise. That's why we like smaller manual transmission things, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. You know, we're taking these road trips in these very old sports cars that require us to get them through, okay? Yeah. But that's part yeah. of the fun in a, in a way, and we're enjoying the fact that they require that level of involvement. If you came to me and you said, I have about 150 grand, and I want to buy the best possible performance car to beat on people around the track. You need a GTR. 
Okay, fair. You, yeah. That's what you sure. need. If, if, if sure. you're, that's your purpose. You want to be as fast as humanly possible around the track. You don't have track experience. You just want to be really fast. You wanted to get into tracking 150 GTR. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to blow through tires and maintenance and that kind of stuff, but that's where that car shines. But on the flip side, every single time, if I were to take my Lotus Elise to a track and there's a guy in a GTR, his lap times will humble me whether he's a great driver or a terrible driver. I could have my best lap in history, and his worst lap will humble mine, <laughs> and I will stay in the Elise yeah, because yeah. I like the involvement. Mm-hmm, for sure. But who are you as a driver? And the GTR has begun, I feel like. I mean, that car came out in 2009. Okay? The GTR has begun something that has progressed and started to permeate the industry, and that is the stats and the mind-blowing things this can do matter more than is it fun. Yes. The fun is yes. in the mind-blowing things it can do. And I'm call me old school. That's fine. But I want to feel vital to the car, mm-hmm. necessary to be here to pull stuff out of it. And I want to feel like I'm very involved in what it's doing, good or bad. And the GTR is like, Lamar Racer, grandmother, let's go fast. Don't care. And it's brilliant at it. Yeah. But that's not most of the time what we want others to get out of driving. We want you to feel involved, not just sit there kind of amazed, as, as we often are in Tesla products. I cannot believe it just went that fast, but I'm not yeah. necessary yeah. to go that fast. And that's why a car like the GTR gets eclipsed by things that, frankly, are slower. That's a great point. Uh, on a side note, we have seen the 2024 GTR. It's just been revealed with new styling, front and rear, a new grille, and optimized wings. It looks cool, I have to say. It looks cool, but I hate to say it. We've gone backwards in terms of styling. Mm. Look at the front. You actually see where the bumper crash beam is located now. Mm-hmm. The reason the GTR was such a unique-looking car was because that front grille completely covered up like most large grill cars mm. and the Audi TT kind of pioneered, well, not pioneered, but they, they took advantage of this. Sure. Completely covered up the front crash structure. It's in there. Yeah. 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 But the styling says there's no typical bumper look and we've gone backwards with the 2024 GTR. Sure. And you see a car bumper, which makes it look in my view older than the 2009 version. I agree with you that. You just haven't seen this styling on the GTR yet. I agree with that, but it also is reminiscent of the much beloved R34. For sure, it, and it that's, is. That's one of the reasons they're getting away with it. And I do like. I have. I, I love that they've on the gone strings of Skyline enthusiasts totally. everywhere. They yes. finally got rid of the Chrome V that they felt like had to be in every single Nissan, and they they kind of forced that onto the GTR for yeah, a while. Agreed. It's nice to see that gone. I mean, yeah, there's, this is the nostalgia restyle for sure. It's cool looking, but it's the nostalgia. It's cool. You're restyle. right. Yeah. It, it's aimed squarely at Skyline mm-hmm. enthusiasts. The drag coefficient is unchanged at this point. So I question the, the engine power is unchanged. The Nismo output still 600 horsepower. I mean, this thing is amazing. It's, it's amazing, truly. But it's pretty old. I mean, yes, what, it's that what as next well. thing? So I question the amount of effort that went into this. What is the balance? How mm-hmm. far is too far? I mean, changing front and rear fascias, there wasn't too much going on here, I don't think, as far as outlay from the parent company to well, the, yeah. create this new vehicle. And but, it's it's intriguing, and we're talking about it. But you're right; Nissan's doing a good job of kind of remaking on what they have right now, and that's the what's happening with the GTR too. 
Mark, if I were to expand this just slightly, you talked about sporty cars that don't make sense. How about sporty vehicles that don't make sense Mm -hmm. that we also don't recommend, like the BMW X6M? (laughs) Why? Sure. We've driven it, and it's mind-boggling. Why does that need to exist? But we would never recommend it. Yeah. Or Lamborghini Uri? Uri? (laughs) What is the plural of the Urus? Uruses? Uruses. Uruses. Yeah. Anything from Bentley. I don't care what your budget is. If you come to us with, to your point, Todd, 150 or more, we're going to start to break up that budget into cars we know are good mm. and multiple vehicles to do. Well, you're going to get a mid-engine rear experience out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're going to get the GR86 because that's just so much fun and you just drive it because it's cheap. And mm-hmm. you know, we'll break that up into what a tasty garage that might be. I'm sure. not going to tell you to go get a Bentley Bentayga Speed. for $400,000. You're right. Why would we do that? Especially because Cayenne turbos exist. You know what I mean? It's the same chassis, for God's sakes. Yes. I don't think we've ever recommended an Alpha Stelvio. I cannot recall a Stelvio discussion. We may have as a flip side to the Julia. Because we talked about the Julia, and maybe you maybe. want an SUV, so look at the Stelvio. Maybe. But you're right. The Julia comes up a lot. The Stelvio doesn't. It's interesting. There's, there's a, but, but I would say in every case, the thing we keep coming back to here, Mark, is that if, we're, if there's a car we're not talking about a lot, there's a great one that does the same thing. Sure. Yeah. How about a newer Mercedes-Benz SL? Have we ever recommended okay. an SL? Okay, fair, 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 yeah. Most of BMW's current lineup? Yeah, sad to say. Recommend. Keep in mind, recommend is the category. Mm-hmm. Gallardos and Aventadors, as cool as they are, mm-hmm. if you come to us with a, an Aventador budget, I'm going to say, guess what? Let's chop that up into a nice, tasty little garage with mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. cars to yeah, drive yeah. that will give you a feeling of driving, and you'll love it, and you won't miss having an Aventador. How about a Ferrari California? Their prices come down. Mm-hmm. They're more than a decade old at this point. Yeah. The replacement is the Portofino M. Mm-hmm. You can see a lot of the the styling in there. Spend that much money? There's still hundred grand yeah. or a little bit more. You want to spend that kind of money, and you're going to do what with it now? Mm-hmm. And you can't really take it to the track, and it's just a little bit too heavy, and the weight's wrong. And on the other hand, if you're going to cruise down the coast of Italy and you want the top down, and okay, and that's your budget. It starts I to you know, start, okay. yes, yeah. yeah. Have we ever recommended the second generation Acura NSX? Recommended? Recommend. I don't think so. We've discussed. Yeah, we have discussed. You're right. Yeah. I also cannot recall a time when we've recommended the new Ford GT500 Mustang, which is out of production now. But the GT500, dude, what a monster! Absolute monster. You're going to go yeah. do what with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That a, another really great track prepped car for less mm, money mm-hmm. can't go do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got absurd horsepower. Why? And this, the other thing going on here, Mark, is that there's the difference between people write to us and say, I'm considering car X. I'm considering a Dodge Viper. Well, happy to talk to you about the Dodge Viper and why the Dodge Viper is cool. And maybe the Dodge Viper is for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of those discussions after 700 and I don't even know how many podcasts. We want to get people out of the box they're already in. And often that means putting them onto the list of the things that are the standout in every possible category. You may be coming in with a Dodge Viper, but maybe you need a 911. Probably not. If you want a Viper, <laughs> yes, yes. if you want a Viper, you probably don't want a 911, by the way. True. But I'll, I'll give True. you this. You come in wanting a Viper. Why not a Mercedes GT? 
Yeah. Because that feels like the middle ground between Viper and 911. You go, I'd really like a Viper. I think they're really cool, but I wish the interior was nicer, Mercedes GT. I mean, we we try to find these things because people walk in the, the door all the time with, I'm considering car X. And what happens in a lot of those emails is it's you guys, and we love this, it's you guys kind of asking for validation. And the answer might be, well, we don't think you should get that car, but you want it, so get it. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely valid. But on the other end of the spectrum, we want to kind of walk you over to other options and hopefully the best options in the segment and go, have you at least driven these to see if that one's more you than you expect? And if an option in that segment costs more money, we're going to push on that. True. Yeah. Okay. Five grand more. I know. Gosh, that's out. It's outside your budget. You don't really want to do it. But on the other hand, it does meet everything and you'll really love driving it. So my last car on the list here is is two flavors of it. I think we've recommended the Lexus RC350 at one point. I'm sure we have, yeah. But I don't know about the RCF. Have we recommended the RCF ever? I, see, but that, that gets into the shadow of other things. Right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It exists. Mm-hmm. It's fast. Some people like the styling. They have come down in price. Why would you ever want that car when there's other standouts that exist? Interesting. I'm going to give you two other factors here, two other cars that I think they play to each other. And somebody could walk in recommending one and really like the other. And I'm going to start here. Somebody that's never owned a sports car before, that they're retired, they want to buy a Corvette. Okay. What they might actually want is the Lexus LC500, which is not a car I normally would be like, you know what you have to drive is the LC500. (laughs) Because dynamically, it's too heavy. Sure, sure. It's quite expensive. It's very heavy. It's it's well over 4,000 pounds. The convertible is nearly 5,000 pounds. But it has a very interesting V8. As far as the classy look Mm -hmm. and the classy badge and amazing styling and Lexus build quality and the feel, if you're not a person who's going to track or really drive hard, or you're wanting to go to the country club as your main purpose, or you want to take a nice Sunday drive, the things you're hoping the Corvette will do for you, random person writing, you'd get better out of the LC500. A lot better in some categories. I think what a lot of guys going out that that's their dream car. They've waited their whole life. They've retired. They're going to drive a Corvette. I think a lot of those guys, what they want is better accomplished in the LC500. Flip yeah. side, you come to me and go, I've only ever had Lexus products, but I really want to get a car because I want to I learn to drive hard. So I'm thinking about getting an LC500. I'd be like, no. <laughs> True. No, go get a Corvette. True. That's yeah. going to be a much better use of your I'd like a big V8 rear-wheel drive thing. Please go get a Corvette. And more trackable, lighter. Yes. More information in the steering, all of those so things. So yeah. you guys writing to us and telling your stories, it's one of the reasons we concentrate so much on your stories when you write to us. You telling us your stories about who you are, what you've driven, your proclivities, the things you're leaning into, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that informs us all the time. Yes, as a result, there are things, and I've said it over and over, there are the standouts in every area that we end up gravitating toward, not because they're the only cars we like, but because they're the better ones in the segment. So your 86 gets discussed, in case you've heard, a couple times for this <laughs> right. reason. But it doesn't mean that you might not be the person that shouldn't get a GR86 because that doesn't match your story. Although I don't care how much money you want to save. I don't care how much they've dropped in price. We're not recommending 2016 Dodge Journeys or 2017 Lincoln (laughs) MKTs. Those are out. other SUVs on the market that do things better, comparably priced, and look better, better build quality, better, better, better. It happens. We're, We're looking out for you here. When you remember a car that you're interested in, or you hear us debate a particular vehicle here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. 
Our friends at autotempest.com will help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. And since you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the person your friends and everyone in your family consults when they're going for the next car purchase. And even with sponsorships like this one, the folks at Auto Tempest rely on word of mouth to let your friends know that this is the secret weapon. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace too, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites often support. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or you've got the fear of missing out, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you Autotempest. All the cars, one search. We've got a debate from Sean W. in New York. He's moved from Colorado to New York City, or just outside, and the subtext of his email is that kids love buttons. I've heard this, actually, yeah. Sean's been listening to the podcast for about five years. Really appreciate you writing, Sean. That's Thank really you so cool. much. Thank you. He considers himself more of a racing fan than a car guy, but that changed when he started listening to us. Hmm. That's okay. Fantastic. That's really cool. Well, he says, much like Paul, me, I'm a native Coloradoan. Yes, he says he's a native Coloradoan, and his first job was at Bandamere Speedway, flipping burgers. Have you heard of that? When he was 14. Absolutely. That's I drove past it going okay. to Denver all the time. All right, cool. So he could watch some form of racing. And then he followed mm. IndyCar and F1 regularly, but as Coloradoan youth do, his first vehicles were SUVs and not driver-focused cars. <laughs> Gosh, that's weird. It is weird. Mm -hmm. In high school, he purchased a 92 Chevy Blazer, followed by a 97 Suburban 2500 that had the 7.4-liter V8 and got 10 miles to the gallon. You not know, an optimal decision for a student on a budget. You know what's crazy is both of those old trucks would be worth more now than the day he sold them. A 92 oh, Chevy yeah. Blazer is now worth some money, <laughs> as is that big old monster suburban engine. It's Inexplicably, they've, they've, they've done the bounce. But anyway, yeah. Well, he met his minister of finance when he went to CU Boulder, and she allowed to, him to borrow her fuel-efficient and better-suited Subaru Impreza <laughs> Outback Sport. Weekend ski runs up and down I-70. He sold that Suburban and then followed his MOF to New York City in search of a career. And here we are 15 years later with a mortgage and two kids aged four and seven. He's mm. finally ready to get his first driver-focused car. So he's come around to like cars. Yeah. He likes yeah. racing. We've actually kind of, we've infected you is what's happened here, Sean. I'm sorry. We've infected you further <laughs> exactly. with the disease. I love it. So we're looking for the first actual fun car. That's kind of cool. Well, they're out in Westchester, New York, and they've got a 2020 CX-9 Mazda Grand Touring. It's been amazing. It delivers on all their family needs. I can totally get see that. Couldn't yep. be happier. Yep. The second vehicle is the 99 Lexus Egg. The Egg. The, the RX 300. Yes. The, the pioneer of the current plague of five-seat SUVs. Plague. It is a plague. I'm standing by that. <laughs> well, neither of them need to drive for a long commute. Sean takes the train to the city, and his smarter MOF is a nurse at a hospital. She bikes to work. But in the winter, the CX-9 is her go-to commuter. I see that. So whatever this driver-focused vehicle is will replace the Lexus and be okay. used for quick errands. Kid shuttling, fun weekend drivers, drives, and hopefully one to two high-performance driving events per year. Hmm. Okay. He's currently leaning towards a Veloster N. He's turroed it. He's enjoyed it extensively. He even got his kids inside of one at a Hyundai marketing display. I'm sure it. the Hyundai marketing people were thrilled that yeah, he did the that. The guy was standing outside with the rag to wipe off all of the services <laughs> okay. when that was done. Yeah. They loved that back door, that hidden back door, and the overall look of the car, and as all kids do, they loved all the buttons. Mm -hmm. As for his ideal vehicle requirements, his list is manual, light, agile, useful tech, inexpensive expendables, aggressive looking, okay. 
But not a WRX STI. So not the full bewinged boy racer look is right. what we're trying to stay away from. I see it. Okay. He's got $35,000 to spend. He's leaning towards the Veloster N, but he's a little conflicted because he always thought his fun car would be rear-wheel drive. I see it. That's a good challenge. All right. I have thoughts, Sean. Really sure. appreciate your writing. I love the Veloster. If that is the car you end up deciding and buying, bravo. Congratulations. They're great. They're really Wonderful. good. Yes, for sure. Feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Drive the you-know-what off of it yep. and enjoy it, and the kids will love it. And I love that the kids like the third door. That's fun. Yeah, That's really cool. fun, yeah. If you want to stay in the Hyundai camp and need a little bit more space, we recently drove the Elantra N. Mm-hmm. In comparison with the Civic SI is coming. Sorry, Civic Type R is coming. Yes, yes. The Elantra N is brilliant. And it's very good. you can choose your transmissions. Now, it's not rear-wheel drive, but mm-hmm. it is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That does lead me to the Civic SI and Acura Integra. I don't know that you need to go full Type R at this point. Those are yeah. interesting, good options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, steer still front-wheel drive. And he, and he can't quite afford the new Type R, and the prior Type R is into that kind of full boy racer look, so I think that's right. probably out. Right. That leads me to a G70, the rear-wheel drive. You can opt for mm. all-wheel drive or rear-wheel mm-hmm. drive. Sure, yeah, yeah. In either engine, you can get the rear-wheel drive. I like it. I just don't know that it's going to check the the enthusiast box for you. I agree. You. I agree. They're very good, but I don't know that it does that. You and I have lately talked about the M230i BMW. Yeah. Discussed yeah. this quite a bit. The new one, yeah. I have high hopes for that because it is lighter, mm-hmm. a little bit less expensive. Brand new, they're going to be more than $35,000. So what if we back that off to the not new one? And we discussed 240s. That's on my list, too. Even M235Is. Yep. It's on my list for sure. Yes. I don't think original M2s are quite to $35,000 yet, but... I don't think so, but they're, they're like, close. They're pretty oh, close, yeah. I mean, that is and you've got choice. And you've got a 2 plus 2, rear-wheel drive, proper dynamics. Yeah. Can, but here's the thing. that can calm down and be just a dad car in the school run. But it can yeah. also be really fun if you have a nice back road. I mean, the reason we is, drove them on track, yeah, a lot. <laughs> the, the reason is Sean is because those grew up that M two grew up from not sports car roots from coupe roots. It's it's just BMW making a two door sedan as they do. I know two door sedan is not the same thing, but follow me. That's what BMW does, yeah. and then they make the sporty version. All of that, I love and mm-hmm. any of the M cars that appeal to you, the right mm-hmm. transmission, the color combination, what year you decide upon, how many miles, I think you definitely need to shop the 2 Series. The I coupe. see that. I agree. Totally agree. But if that's out for whatever reason, have you considered a Mustang? Interesting. Have you considered? Yeah. I mean, I know it might just be an instant, like, no way, I don't want a Mustang, but have you considered a Mustang? Mm-hmm. They're interesting, and they're about to get even more interesting with the release of the seventh generation, the new one that's coming at us quickly. I just saw one at an auto show over the weekend, and I couldn't believe how the revised Mustang styling really does look like the Mustang designers were looking at the Camaro. Sure. It still looks like the Mustang. I can see that. But it looks like they pulled a Camaro in and went, what can we take from here? Which brings up the obvious discussion point, and that is if you're going to drive the Mustang, drive a Camaro, because even though they're going away... The dynamics on that car is great. I know the Mach 1 is outside of your budget. Yeah, I yeah, yeah it is. But what a great car to drive. Mm-hmm. You, you'll you be driving and you'll think, this thing kind of shrank around me. It yeah. just got smaller. Yeah, yeah. It's a big Mustang. It shouldn't do that. And it's excellent to drive. When you get after it, mm-hmm. it was just it was so much fun. The Mach 1 was excellent. I agree with that. 
whatever you decide in the Mustang family, GT, mm-hmm. you know, and the new one's coming. Maybe you hold off for just a little bit because the new Mustang is coming at us with dynamics that promise to be hopefully even better yeah. than the yeah. current Mach 1, the current GT, which is really exciting. Interesting. Sean, I have a I have a couple for you here, and they get into wildcard territory quickly. But I'm, how how big do you want to go? Mm. Because you know, I I have to say, I don't think we've even said this on the podcast yet, but it's something that I'm aware of, and I cannot believe it's a true reality. You know what car has outsold the Mustang and the Camaro for the last couple of years? <laughs> the Dodge Challenger. Oh my gosh, that car is That's a big kind car. of ancient. And it consistently outsells the Mustang and Camaro the last few years because it is the last of the real muscle cars. And it has a surprising amount of space because it's big. It's big. <laughs> you yeah. Can, but, but they've been around long enough that it's like, pick your engine choice, Sean. I don't know that that's the car for you because I'd kind of like to get you into something smaller and lighter. You're just getting him thinking. But I'm thinking, right? you know, yeah. if you're thinking about fun rear-wheel drive dad car, the Challenger, at least drive one, because that's that's not on your radar at all. And if we're talking Mustang and Camaros, you've got to go drive one because they are the oddball. I love the M240 BMW. That's a great one. But then I really do have this question for you, Sean. Do, do you have to have back seats? I mean, okay. I, know, I know you have kids in, in tow here, and I do get that. But do you have to have back seats? And what if, throwing it out there, what if you have a car that the days you have to do the school run, your wife takes the other one? She takes the fun one, and you take the CX nine. Mm. Is this a possible? You haven't you haven't mentioned if that's possible. Mm. Maybe it is. So I am going to get into a couple of just two seaters here. But before I do that, I do have to state the obvious. <clears throat> Fair. We do own a GR eighty six. Fair. It is a two plus two. You have little kids. That is when the, it, it actually works as a two plus two. It is small, light, manual transmission, rear wheel drive. You haven't brought it up, and I'm sitting here going. Do I completely ignore it? Because I don't think I can. No, you're right. So the GR86 has got to be at least on the list. It's 2 plus 2. But two other cars I thought of for you that you can get in your budget. The current Supra in the 2-liter. Oh, no, that's interesting. That's a great car to drive. No back seats. No back seats. That is the downside. So that's where the M240 may make more sense. But the current Supra in a 2-liter is, I promise you, plenty powerful. You would thoroughly enjoy it. Now you can't get the 2-liter in the manual. I'm not sure he'd really miss the manual. It's so much fun to drive. It's very fun. That's an interesting one. The other one I have to say, and this has got me thinking, Sean, about your kids like buttons. (laughs) You want something fun. And I also feel like this is some level of, like, Grown-up reward car. I'm Old Panameras have a lot that. of buttons. True. I'm kind of sensing that. And you and your wife, you have a couple of very nice, flattering things to say about your wife on the, in this email. And she's now listening, Sean. I realize that. But what if you got a Cayman, or more importantly, what if you got a Boxster? A perfect afternoon, and the kids are with either your parents or babysitter or whatever, and you and your wife go out with the top down in the Boxster on a nice evening. And then, you know what? I've We've known people that drive Boxsters year-round here. Plenty That's of weather, true. winter That's tires, true. put the top up, the top's insulated. You can drive a Boxster year-round. What if you got that? Now, it's not a kid hauler. I get it. Please don't put them in the frunk. The point is... <laughs> Sorry, that was a left turn. Wow. A lot of space in that car. Look, hit it in the front. There's a little handle. It's going to be fine. They got, they, moving on. No. But but I, I really think, what if this car you're buying is actually something that you guys can make kind of a celebratory car as well as solving your car needs? And I think the Boxster does that really well. Well, you've got some shopping to do, Sean. Really appreciate your email. If you've got a debate like his, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com is the place to write to us. 
Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. And while we're here, I should just say this because it connects to the Topic Tuesday we started with. Some of you out there are probably yelling that you could get a TT, which is 2 plus 2, and get along the lines of the Boxster, but it's not as good to drive. We're back there again. (laughs) We got an email from Robert H. just recently. Thank you for writing. Really appreciate it, Robert. We're glad that our podcast makes your commute more enjoyable than it would otherwise be. That's really good. He heard you talking about writing checks in 2023. That's crazy. <laughs> it does happen. It's it's not everybody, but it does happen. Some people actually are like, no, I don't have Venmo. I'm like, you don't. You, Ven- okay. All right. Okay. We live in the dark ages. Just get there's, it. There's no way I can send this to you digitally. There's no, I've actually had two conversations really? like that in the last few weeks. I'm like, there's no way I can send this to you. And I'll put a check in the mail. Like, it, like check in the mail. Like, check, envelope, stamp. <laughs> I asked my wife. I was like... Stamps on the right, right? I mean, it's been that long. That's awesome. Anyway. Well, Robert's question is, what is our success rate when it comes to car recommendations for listeners? Do people write to us and tell us what they eventually bought? Yes, they are car- called car conclusions. How often was it something that we recommended? It's tough to say because we can't cover everybody's car conclusion. Yeah. And not everybody says, hey, I got the exact thing that you recommended. Sure, sure, sure. But as Todd alluded to before, we... We love the human interest element. We love your story. Yeah, yeah. And it matters that we get you thinking differently. It doesn't matter quite as much that you bought the exact car that we recommend. True. It just matters that we got you thinking differently. And if you settle on the car that you wanted to buy originally, wonderful. Yeah. And if it validated that, even better. Mm -hmm. But if we got you thinking and threw an idea, sometimes we miss an idea. Mm -hmm. And But it made you think of it. Great. That is what we want ultimately. So... I don't really count the success rate, to be we, honest. We I'm have not no way to quantify it, but Robert, I, all what it says to me is I'm surprised you haven't heard a car conclusion e- uh, podcast yet yeah. because we get a lot of car conclusion emails and we, and we sprinkle those in as a topic Tuesday every now and then where we just cover people's wrap-up stories. And it's fascinating to see a couple of things that happen. One, where somebody is like, I never thought of that. And they pursue some line of car thinking they'd never considered. Or, to your point, Paul, they spend twice as much as they thought their budget was because they're now excited about car X. Fun things come out of the car conclusion, so we try to read those as well. Dave F. writes to us an interesting question on Facebook about EVs. Are the bridges and overpasses in this country engineered to support the increased vehicle weight (laughs) of a predominantly electric vehicle future? Was that me laughing? I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, we were told by a source at GM, who no longer is with GM, Mm. that the Hummer EV Mm -hmm. was not rated for many of the bridges in the Midwest because they have a 5,000-pound gross vehicle weight rating for the bridge. Yep. Because the bridges haven't been updated. And this is a truck that weighs 9,000 pounds. 3,000 of that is just the battery. Mm -hmm. They were also considering forcing buyers to get their CDLs just to be able to purchase one. I love that in the 11th hour of the electric e- the electric Hummer EV, the 11th hour they start worrying about weight because they're trying desperately to get it underneath, what is it, the 10, is it 10,000 pounds? 10,000, I believe, yeah. They're trying desperately to make sure it, that that shouldn't have even ever entered the discussion. And suddenly the last was like, where can we save weight to make sure it's not 10,000 pounds? And that is, you're right, it's double some bridges. These seats are like garden chairs. They're flimsy. Oh, you were saving weight. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't these more comfortable? The Hubber Superleggera coming now. <laughs> right. Ted Adam Green, I wanted to mention this real quick. He said that his daughter, Emily Green, wanted to thank me for working on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. A lot of people worked very hard on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was among them, but I do want to t- 
tell it like a slightly little uh, little slap real quick at New Line. Well, I worked there for about a decade, and I worked on the Lord of the Rings a lot. But what's funny is New Line dissolved a few years, well, in the mid-2000s, by 07, 08, pretty much dissolved. Went from a company of about 700 people to about 40 as it got fully absorbed into, into Warner Brothers. And you'll only see, like, Black Adam is one of the most recent movies I can think of that had a New Line logo on the front. They They exist. But it's now in a, logo form only. It's, it's a right? sub shingle underneath Warner Brothers. Okay. What good does it do? Sorry, for a company to to brand it under New Line when New Line doesn't really exist. Well, you, a, but I mean, Castle Rock was this way forever under Warner Brothers. You would see a Castle Rock movie. There was never a production studio for Castle Rock. Is there some association it's, in people's minds that sort of makes it like, oh, it's those people? That's kind of what happens. It also, in some cases, has to do with who has the licensing. The movie Shazam is another New Line movie, for example. Okay. So it's it's who got the licensing for what? I mean, like when the Hobbit movies came out, they had New Line branding on them, even though New Line didn't really exist in the same format anymore, but they were involved in the licensing. I mean, there's a lot of who has the rights to do mm-hmm. it that goes on it's what's called a prestige label there has been a demeanor that okay oh it's that company well they do stuff i really like okay warner brothers is distributing but i really like castle rock or new line or whatever so that's what they've become but at the time we were a pretty big company what was funny is when new line dissolved everyone in every department had their resume leading with all the work they did on lord of the rings to oh me my, of course is of course the, they did Short of post-production, almost everything on Lord of the Rings was just controlled by Peter Jackson down in New Zealand. Most departments that had major involvement in all of the New Line movies, were like marketing, were cut out of Lord of the Rings entirely because Peter was doing it his way. And then we got besieged by all of it in post-production. So it was very funny. But everybody worked very hard on Lord of the Rings. But anyway, (laughs) Emily is saying she's seen it a lot and she cannot believe that her dad has heard of anybody that worked on the movies. I just think it's very funny. R.J. Giacomelli asks me if it bothers me when a vehicle's door handles don't line up when viewed from the side, the side elevation. He noticed this recently on a CX-5, and now he can't unsee it. The rear handle looks randomly placed rather than (laughs) following a body line. Is this an example of engineers winning the design battle? I love that you're seeing Mm, and mm. looking for that kind of stuff. You're looking for shut lines. You're looking for things that don't line up. They seem mismatched. Lexus, I think it's the ES door handles, the rear door handles. Like, why there? You interrupted the shoulder line. That was a nice line, and okay. it's punctured by this ugly door handle. Yeah, it has to do. There was a battle. There were a lot of meetings. Sure, let's put of it course that there way. were. Yeah, Monday morning meetings, all week long meetings. People had to meet there to was decide coffee and a meeting. Who wins? <laughs> wins our next meeting. Yeah, there was a lot and of the that designers. Well. Usually don't because it's the engineers and well, all the stuff behind the door and this is where the latch is and that because of the chassis, this is the mounting point. Well, we've got to bring in mm-hmm, the crash mm-hmm. standards and this is where the latch has to be. So sorry. The designer's weeping in the corner. Yeah. My beautiful line <laughs> shattered by this stupid door handle. Kenny on Facebook is writing and he says he needs a family car with a third row. Is a used Toyota Land Cruiser the place to be or should he go straight for a minivan? Kenny, I already mentioned this in passing, but the Land Cruiser, one of its worst traits is its third row. That's one of the things it does the least. So if you're really talking about a family car with three rows, okay, two separate thoughts here. First off, look at the um, look at the Suburban, look at the Escalade, look at the um, Expedition is an option. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Navigator. I don't know your budget, but these big body-on-frame are the only thing that really are in still in truck form that do three full rows for real people, 
and big cargo space behind the third row. Those are your only options unless you go minivan. I'm going to say it. I've said it before. It is the reality. If you're just hauling people, if this is the purpose, nothing out minivans a minivan. You want to haul the family. You want to haul stuff. You want to have access. We just have people and things and plastic and stuff and another bag. Nothing out minivans a minivan. I'm seeing a marketing campaign from some manufacturer coming on to use that. Probably Chrysler, since that's all they make anymore, is the minivan. That's true. Chrysler, nothing out minivans a minivan. That's all they do. (laughs) Dino says, when will we be doing a piece on the Wrangler 392? Mm. As much as we love the TRX, he's shocked we haven't reviewed it yet. In no way do we not want to review off-road vehicles and take them off-road and do things. Mm -hmm. But that's not what you guys know us for. True. We love enthusiast driving, track driving, street driving, canyons, asphalt. We love discussing all that. Yeah, yeah. For the reason that, Todd, you've brought up a few times in our discussions that the off-road beast (laughs) has to do the thing we set out to do Mm -hmm. or it has to break. (laughs) It's hard It's hard to have a quantifiable off-road review, yes. So if we have the 392 and we match it up against a Braptor. Sure, that'd be really fun, actually, yeah. Interesting. Be very cool. cool. Yeah. We can climb the side of that mountain while I'm sipping a latte mm-hmm. and listening to my favorite music and the air conditioning's blasting and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I may not notice anything else. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, it will, or it will just break. It'll tumble down the mountain or we succeeded, yeah. <laughs> So there's an increasing threshold of it has to go farther. It has Mm, to mm -hmm. ford a deeper river or do a rock crawl better (laughs) right up until it flips over on its back. And that causes a lot of damage and injury and bad things happen after that. So we have to ask ourselves to extract the most out of a 392 what do we do with it that will translate, this is great? That problem does not exist with streetcars. True. Definitely not as much. That, that, think about that TRX piece we did. We went to a crazy location in the middle of winter to drive that thing, and we wanted to have something to put it against. And at that point, the 392 Jeep and the Bronco Raptor didn't exist. I actually like the 392 versus the Bronco Raptor, but there's a secondary thing going on here, and that is the 392. I hate to say this. I hate to say it. But it is still true. The 392 is old enough now that it won't stand on its own in a piece. We have to put it with something newer for anybody to watch. True. So that is the problem. There is a there is a threshold under which if we haven't driven the thing yet, we have to try to put it with something newer, crazy things that happen on YouTube. Otherwise, it doesn't get watched. Donald Miller says he's about to buy a car in Utah and he's driving it back to California. Will he be safe at the 9 to 10 miles per hour over on the highway like California or does he have to stick to posted limits? <laughs> hey, guys, can I speed? Donald, look, I, 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 I'm going to say this to you, okay? Step carefully. Yes, I'm going to say this to you. Generally, it depends entirely on the officer and the situation and how you're driving and all of that are factors. And we had, there's an old episode of the podcast that says the the police are here, the cops are here. That is a fantastic episode that talks about this a little bit. Generally, you'll be okay in that nine or so over. But what's crazy is in the southern part of Utah, between Salt Lake and St. George, running through the the state of Utah, on I-15, there's a lot of sections that are posted 80 miles an hour. Most everyone is doing (laughs) 88 to 90. And I am including the guy in the huge F-250 pulling his boat is still doing the better part of 90. And I'm not sure that's advisable, but that is what's going on. So your, your experience will vary. Be careful. I will also say the speed limits do matter. 
because there are plenty of places where 80 becomes 75 and they are watching. Seth K. asks if Alfa Romeo is a dead brand in the U.S. Hmm. Dealers are closing. Dodge will release the Tonale as the Hornet before Alfa does. Hmm. Tonale. Oh, you're enjoying that. I can tell. What car did you buy? The, the Tonal? <laughs> it's Tonal. It, I, got, it's I bought the Tonal. tonal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he says it's getting harder and harder to see Alpha having a future here. Well, keep in mind, global sales still matter. And mm-hmm. pumping up the global sales number is still part of having the Alpha brand even worldwide. Sure, yeah, yeah. You could argue that Maserati still doesn't sell enough cars, but it's a halo brand. And sure. I, I believe yeah. that they're wanting to push Alpha as a luxury EV mm. brand in the mm. future that will start to really differentiate it. But right now, you're right. They don't have a lot of product in the pipeline, at least that we've seen. They've teased us a lot, but we don't have the, the concrete examples. What a nice alternative. If they did bring out some of those concepts yeah, be cool. that they had and bring out what they're talking about in the future, they've designed some beautiful objects. They just don't have them right now, so it's hard to get people excited about them. I don't see them going away anytime soon, again, because of the overall bookkeeping numbers. Look at how many alphas we sold, therefore justifying the brand's entire global existence. Mm, Interesting. I've got so many good questions here. I'm not going to get to all of them, but let's go with an alternative track daily crush from Sean Fisher 5. Okay. It's not typical, but you'll understand right away. we got to throw one of these out. Capacitive touch buttons. Mm. EV artificial engine sound or poor entertainment user interface. So like no Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, and the interface isn't good to work with. What's the track daily crush on that? I am instantly crushing poor entertainment UI. There is no excuse. You will take haptics? You there will is, live with haptics? There is no excuse for poor entertainment UI. Done. Fully out. Fair. You know what? I will live every day with the EV artificial engine sound. And occasionally have to deal with capacitive touch buttons. But I am Ooh. crushing poor entertainment UI. No excuse at all. Thank you for all your great questions. We really appreciate it. Yeah, write to us with your car debates. We're always looking for new cars to discuss. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of new cars coming at us. So we yeah, look excited. forward to driving them and then being able to recommend them. Or not. Write to us, TV at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> 